Today we celebrate the 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the opening prayer. O God, who through the grace of adoption chose us to be children of light, grant, we pray, that we may not be wrapped in darkness of error, but always be seen to stand in the bright light of truth. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament, from the second book of Kings, 4th chapter, 8th through the 11th verse, and 14th and through the 16th verse. One day, Elisha came to Shemin, where there was a woman of influence who urged him to dine with her. Afterward, whenever he passed by, he used to stop there to dine. So she said to her husband, I know that Elisha is a holy man of God. Since he visits us often, let us arrange a little room on the roof and furnish it for him with a bed, table, chair, and lamp, so that when he comes to us, he can stay there. Sometime later, Elisha arrived and stayed in the room overnight. Later, Elisha asked, Can something be done for her? His servant, Gehiah, answered, Yes, she has no son, and her husband is getting on in years. Elisha said, Call her. When the woman had been called and stood at the door, Elisha promised, This time next year, you'll be fondling a baby son. The Word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm, Forever I will sing the goodness of the Lord. A reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, 6th chapter, 3rd through the 4th verse, and 8th through the 11th verse. Brothers and sisters, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were indeed buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might live in newness of life. If, then, we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ raised from the dead dies no more, death no longer has power over him. As to his death, he died to sin once and for all. As to his life, he lives for God. Consequently, you too must think of yourselves as dead to sin and living for God in Christ Jesus. The Word of the Lord. Hallelujah, verse. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The gospel for this 13th Sunday in Ordinary Time is taken from St. Matthew, 10th chapter, 37th to the 42nd verse. Jesus said to his apostles, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Whoever receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever receives a righteous man, because he is a righteous man, will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives 
only a cup of cold water to one of these little ones to drink, because the little one is a disciple, amen, I say to you, he will surely not lose his reward. The Gospel of the Lord. In Ordinary Time, we're going to relive the experience of one of the evangelists, one of the writers of the gospel, their experience of this moment that they had with God in history, these three years, and then beginning their work as being moving from disciples to apostles. A disciple is a learner, someone who's listening and learning and spending time with someone, and an apostle is the one who's sent forth to do it. And so you'll notice in this particular Gospel of Matthew, it's the, the first chapter that we're, this 10th chapter rather, is, is when Jesus is calling his disciples to do their work, and he calls them apostles. I'm sending you forth. So what I'm asking you to imagine with me is, here is Jesus sending his disciples into the world to do their work. He is no longer with them physically, will not be with them physically when they begin. He is in this particular passage with them. 
But what he wants them to understand is the essence of what it is they're going to be doing. And if you go back to that earlier part in the, in, in the gospel, you see what God is asking the disciples to do is to, uh, seems like an impossible thing. Gentlemen, I want you to go into the world and I want you to, um, I want you to heal the sick, raise the dead, and bring life to people and, 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 and somehow heal leprosy. Now, leprosy is a beautiful, not a beautiful, but I mean, a, an effective way of describing sin, leprosy, something that distorts us, it deforms us. So when Jesus is giving that responsibility to the disciples, I don't know what it would be like if you would hear somebody say that to you, but in a way, Jesus does say it to all. I want you to go into the world and I want you to heal people. And lift them out of darkness, lift them out of a place that we might call death. So the main thrust, it seems, of the ministry that Jesus has given to his disciples and he's giving to us, sending us out into the world, has everything to do with this set of readings. So let me see if I can describe it for you, give you a sense of what it is you're empowered to do. The first story is about a prophet who comes to a woman's house comes often. This woman was obviously very impressed with this prophet, Elisha, not Elijah. That's close. I, I tend to mispronounce Elisha a little more just to separate him from Elijah. But anyway, she loves this man's truth. She loves spending time with him. And so she says to her husband, let's, let's create a space for him in our house. Well, just think of the image that is. Here's a woman touched by the truth. She wants to create a space in her home, in her very soul, in her essence, for this truth to take root. And so she creates a room for him. And when that room is there, she has been longing for something in her life, and it's to create new life. And so she is like the symbol of all of us, longing to make a difference, longing to create life in the world. And, and so she has no son. So he said, I will, I will give you a son. So. Here's the prophet who represents the truth coming into a person who opens their heart to him, and when he dwells with them, he has a reward for their hospitality. You will welcome a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, and the reward is truth. And the truth is something in her that produces life. So the symbol is she has a son. Now, if you follow this passage from Kings, it's interesting because one of the next things that happens is that as he returns again and again, he comes back and the son is born. But then she sends word to him one day and she said, my son is dead. He's, di- he's died. And, and send, come and, 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 and heal him. Bring him back to life. Another aspect of what the truth is able to do. And so he sends his servant and just my rod, my, my authority, I'll send it through somebody else. That didn't work. So he goes. And he does this miraculous, bringing this man back to life. And what he does is he lies on top of him, his lips to his lips, his eyes to his eyes, his hands to his hands, his feet to his feet. It's a powerful image of someone containing some energy, some life force, and he he is giving it to another person. He just doesn't put his hand toward him or he just doesn't say the words, be healed. Really fascinating image. So just... Let's take this image of this figure, a prophet, as the image of the truth. The truth. What does it do? Opens eyes, 
to see what is real, what is true, produces life because it overcomes darkness and what is darkness, sin. So the second reading then focuses on the opposite of this great gift of light and truth, and that is sin and darkness. And it's interesting, is St. Paul's talking about this, what he's saying is that Christ went through something that we have to go through, and it's a death. And the death that we have is the death that is, I would call it, change. Um, being reborn, being remade. And what, what is it that, that this change involves? Well, it's a moving away from darkness. So what is darkness? Well, darkness is the absence of truth. What is the absence of truth? A lie. How did sin enter into the world? It was a lie. A serpent is there, and he's, 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 he's seducing Adam and Eve into believing something. It's not true. If you, if you rely upon yourself and you rely upon your own decision-making qualities, if you want to know what's right and what's wrong and be the center of your life, well, eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the minute, it's so interesting in that story, the minute you buy into a lie, something in you feels odd, feels strange. You feel estranged from some source somewhere. And that's exactly the effect of sin entering into the human race was a, a, a sense of distance from God. And the distance was, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. The minute you say in your relationship with God, I am going to earn his, his affection, I'm going to earn his, his, his reward of eternal life, I'm going to work for it and I'm going to get it and it's going to be my task and I can feel really good about having accomplished it, that is the greatest of lies. It's not something that we are called to do by a command from God to become holy and to do all these good things. That's the... That's probably the most insidious lie that's out there, and it's more about our human nature than it is about religion, but religion buys into it. So what is it? What is it that God wants us to understand about this truth that you and I are called to engage ourselves with? And when we, when we see it for what it is, it reveals something that has been hidden, and then we have this new life. So how do we, how do we imagine that happening? Well, it took redemption for it to happen. All through the Old Testament, people have been listening to prophets trying to tell the truth, and they try to live it, and they never do succeed. And they're punished, and then they straighten up, and then they forget about the punishment, and they fall back into sin. So the Old Testament is filled with people who are seemingly unable to deal with this thing called sin, darkness, another word again, illusion, half-truths, lies. So it was needed, a savior, a messiah, someone who comes that makes a big difference. What is the difference? Well, without going into exactly how redemption takes place, I want to talk about how it, it impacts us and how we're to participate in it. And it's the most important thing to run, understand by the second paragraph of this gospel. It's so beautiful. When Jesus sends his disciples into the world to do work that seems way beyond human nature's possibility, that's the first piece of truth I want you to ponder. When God is asking you to love, to forgive, to give life to people around you, to be a source of wisdom for them, he's not asking you to produce that wisdom or to produce that capacity to be a healer. It's not something you do. 
It's something you receive. So listen to Jesus when he's just given his disciples this incredible challenge to go out into the world and to, to heal it of darkness and illusion and, and, and lies. He said, if you receive me, whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So Jesus is saying, look, you've got to, you, you watched me make Eucharist. You watched me make my body and blood into something that I'm asking you to take in and, and, and dwell inside of you. So it's so clear that the, the thing that was not possible in the Old Testament that is possible in the New Testament is a life force that's been given to you and to me. And that life force is the truth, light, enlightenment. And when it comes into us, if we receive it, then we become a prophet. And we receive a prophet's reward. What's a prophet's reward? Well, when you give life to someone, when you are a source of life for someone, when you feel the, the dignity and the value of, of being a person participating in this life force, you're, you're going to feel <laughs> good. <laughs> you're going to feel full. You're going to feel like there's meaning and purpose. And, and, and the reward of the truth is light, enlightenment, and, and life. Whenever a religion or anyone tells you that you're no good and that you have to work harder and that you have to clean your act up and you have to do everything you can to make sure that you are pleasing to God, they've missed the point completely because the main issue is how do you humbly receive the wisdom, the tree of life, light, truth? How do you receive it? And then when you receive it, how do you allow it to flow through you? And when it flows through you, you're going to have everything you've ever wanted everything so what i'm trying to say is when jesus is saying to his disciples if you love mother or father more than me if you love son or daughter more than me you're not worthy of me unless you take up your cross you can't be worthy of me whoever finds life will lose it whoever loses life this whole the word in there that i want you to pay attention to is worthiness it sounds like merit doesn't it if you, if you take up your cross, if you go through some really difficult, horrible experience of pain and suffering and humiliation, then I might consider, you know, taking care of you. <laughs> no. Taking up your cross is going through a radical transformation. It feels like death. We're not asked to go through a crucifixion like Jesus went through and be humiliated by everyone. That's not, that's not the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity is to go through an experience that is so transforming that the other end of it, you are somebody really different. You are resurrected. You have new life. So the image is that we are engaged in work that is revealing the truth to us. Our eyes are opened and we change. But the process of being changed by the truth is not just simply like being told, you know something you think you know and you're told, no, that's not it. And it's something else. You go, okay, now I've got it. No, no. Every time you're living in a lie, you have a pattern of behavior in your life, a way of living, a way of seeing, a way of judging people, a way of whatever. And when the truth comes in and you find out, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not here to become the best believer. I'm not here to become better than somebody else. I'm not here to 
to impress people with what I can do and what who I am. I, I'm here as a servant, and and that that kind of change, if your pattern of life has been to produce something beautiful for someone else in your life and to win affection and attention, I mean that's radical shift. I mean if it doesn't <laughs> demand death, I don't know what I can call it. I mean. You need to die to all those 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 patterns. It's 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 really difficult, but it doesn't demand that you do it. It demands that you allow it to happen. You allow God's truth and light to come into your life, and it has its own strength and power. It will change you. It will change you. And so the image of being worthy is more like God is saying, if you go through this, you'll be worthy of me. Meaning you'll be You'll be of worth to me. You'll be valuable to me. You're already valuable in this term of God sees you, sees me, loves us as we are unconditionally. We, we can't imagine what it's like to be loved that way, but that's what God wants us to feel when he says, receive me, receive my love. We have this sense of our, our dignity, our value. When someone loves us, it's an amazing experience. And then in turn we're willing to then become whatever that transforming love creates. And what it will create is someone who is there to be an instrument of bringing this same mysterious new life to another person. And so, if you can feel it with me, it's saying, Jesus comes into our lives and says, I want to dwell inside of you. If I'm inside of you, my Father's inside of you. If we're inside of you, then we are the source of the of the wisdom and the ability and the capacity you have to change the people around you. And you are so, it is so important you do that because then you are really valuable to me. It's almost like God is saying, look, I need you to take care of the people around you. I want to take care of them, but I need you to receive me to be able to do that for them. Does that sound more exciting, more wonderful, more life-giving than being a person who turns out to be the best person in the room and, and has everybody's admiration and, and, and everybody says, you're so great, you're so wonderful, God, you're, you're, you're beyond anything I've ever seen. The ego loves that. The heart that can't even fathom it. What the heart wants is to be of value. And to know that you are a source of bringing light and life and healing and lifting someone out of the darkness of depression and, and, and fear, you can do that if you receive. Whoever receives is the key. That's the work. The lie is perform. The truth is receive. And what amazing difference that makes. So we are all apostles. We are all called to be instruments of God's grace to the world. And, and it's not about work. It's about a gift and receiving it.
Closing Prayer Father, open our eyes to see you as you are, to know your intention, your plan, your desire to use us, fill us with all the gifts that those around us are in longing for, and to give us the, the, the enthusiasm and the excitement about being a, a channel for you, and, and let us feel the joy that comes from watching those around us that we love enter into a place of greater wholeness and light and peace. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher, a listener-supported program, is archived and available on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com and available anytime, anywhere, and for free on our podcast, Finding God in Our Hearts. You can search and subscribe to Finding God in Our Hearts anywhere you download your podcasts. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is funded with kind donations by listeners just like you. You can make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com. We thank you for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is a production of the Pastoral Reflections Institute, a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, dedicated to enriching your spiritual journey. Executive producer, Monsignor Don Fisher. Produced by Kyle Cross and recorded in Pastoral Reflections Institute Studios. Copyright 2023.